0: Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a guest comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes and then discusses how they wrote it and and how it represents what they're trying to do with their comedy. This week's guest is Samantha B. I, I know it's a cliche, but sometimes it really does feel like people don't need introductions. I feel legitimately stupid telling you who Samantha B is. You know she was the longest-running Daily Show correspondent. You know she currently hosts Full Frontal on TBS. That said, I am happy I spoke with Sam right now. This last 12 to 18 months has been, I have to imagine, the, the wildest time to ever have to be a late-night host. It is a job that is built on repetition and consistency, and you need to get into a rhythm because it's just such a demanding slog to be doing shows every day or every week. And to first have COVID happen, you're like, how do we do this show? Sam, to her credit, did it in her backyard. Um, And then it's the election. And it's an election that has Donald Trump in it. So you know you lived it. It was... Anyway. And she did it. And she figured out how to make the show her own and how to adapt. And, you know, with a a new permanent studio in Connecticut and a new administration, Sam clearly intends to just continue to freaking go for it. A recent example is the full frontal takes on gun special. Uh which we'll be playing a clip from in which Sam freaking tricks up a car uh as a metaphor. You it'll make sense. I do recommend checking out the video of this, however, when you get a chance. It is terrifying and hilarious. We'll put a link in the show notes. So, here is Samantha B. <laughs>
3: Donuts, cars, coffee, Funyuns, Four loco, guns, Plan B, Viagra, neck braces, cigarettes, those round cheeses, and all of this stuff. So one of these things is not like the other. No, not because my dad owns all of them except Plan B, it's because they're all strictly federally regulated, except for guns. So I decided to buy a super safe minivan, hire a mechanic, well, I know a guy who knows a guy, and we're gonna see exactly what a car would look like if it was only regulated to the same minimal standards as a gun. Let's start with the very basics. Seatbelts. Bye, see ya. Federal law requires all cars have seatbelts cause duh, they save lives. There's no federal requirement for the closest equivalent to a seatbelt, a gun safety. You know, the doohickey that keeps the gun from firing when you don't want it to. Oh God. For over 50 years, we have had federal safety standards for motor vehicles, and there are now over 70 regulations specifying design, construction, performance, and durability standards for automobiles in the United States.
0: Saves lives.
3: How many of these types of regulations for the killing machine? Basically, none. Not even child locks. Kid, please don't touch that. We have federally regulated cars and successfully reduced the rate of deaths over time. Meanwhile, gun fatalities are on the rise, and we continue to do almost nothing. And to prove our point, we're also doing away with those state inspections, where they check your brakes, headlights, turn signals, steering, tires, wheels, mirrors, windshields, car slinkies, and horn. Wow, now that's wow. shrill. Because we all know gun annual inspections don't exist. Let's talk paperwork. We installed a driver-side shredder to tear apart your registration, insurance, and proof of ownership. Every state requires these for cars, but not guns. This lack of paperwork allows guns to trade hands through more loopholes than a Victorian era corset. Oh, let's go ahead and shred your driver's license too. You see, every state requires a driver's license and you have to pass a written and practical test to get the license, but that's not true for guns. Also, unlike cars, children are allowed to fire at will, which is why we're installing a super cute kid's steering wheel. And to mitigate my continued frustration, I've asked the mechanic to install a driver's side hamster drip filled with hard liquor. That's a good idea. Two weeks later, or as I like to call it, two weeks longer than a homicidal bigot had to wait for a gun, Metty is putting the finishing touches on our death van. Today is the unveiling. Three,
1: two, one. Ah. Oh my God. you love it? Oh,
3: oh! You're a maniac. Thank you, thank you. Gun manufacturers are masters of disguise when it comes to hiding how dangerous their weapons really are. So I had Medi channel the Remingtons and the Glocks for the final modifications. They add gadgets, like lasers, to create the illusion that this death trap is a video game or a toy. Instead of an airbag. So we added bubbles. Or they'll claim that warlike like features are for hunting. Why? Why not? Or they try to emasculate those fragile men who are drawn to guns.
0: Well now you know when you're a little
1: d- or when you're a bad d-
3: <laughs> At what point does it go to bad d-
1: Like 80 miles an hour.
3: Then those same gun manufacturers push bull sayings to make them feel like heroes.
0: If there's ever a bad guy mm-hmm. with a
3: car, yeah, you're there. Or they try to inspire rage. Hey, it's me! They'll do anything to distract from the fact that this machine has one true purpose, to kill. You've built something incredible here. Thank you. Can I ask, is this drivable? I don't recommend it, but it drives. Let's go. But this is my God-given right, so I'm suiting up and letting Medi risk his life for my show. Good luck! I think if anyone saw this deregulated and unregistered death on wheels whipping around the highway, throwing sparks and smoke and blowing bubbles, we'd all say, get that thing off the road. Let me ask you a couple of questions about it. Would you use it to protect your family? No. Should a teacher have this in their classroom? No. But what if you were scared of other people? Should you just have this like on you? No. I feel like there's almost no application for this vehicle.
1: No, I think we should say bye to it.
3: I think we should banish it to hell. And that's what we did. We destroyed the van. When something can so easily kill, we make common sense changes to ensure everyone's safety even though now I have no way of getting home.
0: Uh, I am here with Samantha B. Thank you for joining me.
3: Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is We're very professional. We have a yeah. very professional setup.
0: Mm-hmm. We're looking
3: at each other mm-hmm. deep into each other's eyes. It's mm-hmm. all going to work.
0: So uh, before we talk about the segment, I want to back up a little and just okay. talk about how the show has changed over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- the first big thing was, for a bunch of months, you shot at home in yes. the woods. Yes. Um, and I was thinking, you know, you shot partly with your family, you shot with Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, you know, you you start in comedy. One starts in comedy. They're mm-hmm. performing. They're doing sketches. They're running around town. And then, you know, it becomes your job. You do it. Right. For 20, you've been making comedy <laughs> for 20 right. years. Mm-hmm. Was there something about that? It just seems like, was there something about that that felt like it reconnected you to like, I'm a person just creating?
3: It totally did. Actually, I've never, no one's ever asked me that question before. And you're so right. And we constantly reflected on that. I mean, Jason and I have been together for more than 20 years. I don't know what year it is. So we started dating in 1997. Got it. Mm-hmm. So a long, long time ago. And we did so many projects together. We made two movies in our house in Toronto, like real movies, you know? And uh, <laughs> real ones that people mm-hmm. paid ticket pro- yeah. Not Not a lot of people paid to go see, but they were very good. Mm-hmm. Um. So we've always worked together and had such a DIY kind of perspective and attitude. We've always done every job. Jason did sketch comedy forever with actually really great success. I did sketch comedy forever with the Atomic Fireballs. We... Made our own shows, like Mm -hmm. putting up posters all around town, bringing your props everywhere, making your music your set list, like, you know, creating a whole evening of entertainment is something that we just have always done. And it actually was super fun to be stripped back down to an iPhone, Mm -hmm. like how we would have. How, how we would be shooting movies now if we were yeah. still in Toronto and hadn't gotten these professional jobs in the States, we'd probably still be doing that on an iPhone 11 in our home. We would have purchased two lights or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was very fun for us. And there were times when it was like, oh, well, like a storm is coming or just like a flock of dragonflies. The dragonflies are all hatching or like stepping on an anthill where it was like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? It's boiling Mm -hmm. hot. And then he started gently reclining into a lawn chair with one of those like spritzing fans. Yeah. So, (laughs) but it really was like a return to, it kind of reminded us that we can do anything.
0: Yeah. And did you feel like you carried that energy once you started going back to the studio? Like that
3: sense of self? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we changed a lot of our processes to uh I, and i think pretty permanently
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh to accommodate any pandemic that it heads our way but all you know like we kind of uh there were some process things that we were able to strip away in a similar way it's listen it's very nice to be back in a studio that's like with a controlled environment mm-hmm. but at any moment like i really this is so so like this is this is my brain and how my brain thinks because i'm so like pragmatic and canadian Mm -hmm. i'm just like how do we make the show every week we must make a show every week that we are contracted to make a Mm -hmm. show so um i was like okay well now that everybody's kind of like masks off outside and stuff like that we're all kind of like reintroducing ourselves to cold the mm-hmm. col- colds and flu season, stomach ailments are emerging in my home, fevers come mm. naturally, you know what I mean? like Yeah, yeah. And I have so many, um, you know, union rules are very strict about f- performing with a fever. Like if I have a fever from something that is not COVID, mm. I cannot go into our studio and make the show. And I'm like, it's fine. We just go back and just do it back there. Mm-hmm. we got it's like and, and no one will care what we learned truly is the audience does yeah, not yeah. give a single shit they're like do it here do it there do it wherever so i'm actually like gonna go do some globe hopping for the oh, show interesting. in the next uh couple of weeks and um no one will no one will care they'll go oh you're in a different place that's nice mm, what's behind you <laughs> it's great
0: um but you know, part of it is now you shoot the show. You 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 move studios to a place mm-hmm. that you can do be permanent. And but the biggest difference is there's no audience in the right. room.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How has that made it easy? I mean, obviously, besides logistics, but in terms of like actually performing the comedy house and it made it easier. How has it made it harder? You know, are there things you're more likely to do or less likely to do as a result?
3: It's just a different experience of the show. So when we started, when we started in 2015, I don't even remember, 2016? I don't, again, 2016, I don't, again, I don't know, it's 1997, permanently, okay? Um, we, I, I never thought that we should have an audience. I was like, we should just not mm. have an audience. Like, what do we need that for? What do we need that convention for, Um. We, I, I had worked for so long at the Daily Show, and we had our studio audience. But I was like, this feels like really different. I'm not sure we need it. And then, you know, in the process of making a show, you kind of that point of view gets lost in like, yeah, but everybody mm-hmm. has a studio. You have, you kind of have to. It's like for that live audience experience. Mm-hmm. And then I grew. It never bothered me. I was never like, no. I'm I just went, yes, of yeah. course. And maybe it's true, and maybe it actually wouldn't have been accepted at first if it just was like silence. Maybe it would have bumped people in yeah, a yeah. really weird way. So probably everyone was right. But returning to that has also felt very natural. Like, it definitely was, like, it was, it was harder to me to perform the show, and we only did it really one time in the big studio mm-hmm. with no audience. We had, like, Eight people from the staff generously agreed to like really laugh really hard, but that was of the moment and it really, it worked and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, But I I don't want, I don't really want that. Mm. I'm kind of like, I'd rather, I don't want to live, I want to like live in the country or the city. I don't want to live in the suburbs. And I think like a little bit of laughter is like the suburbs. Got it. And I'm comfortable in either the country or the city. It definitely was different performing in the forest because there's a lot of ambient sound. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of like hold for wood chipper. And then you get into that hermetically sealed studio space again, where it's just like pin drop quiet and everybody's like hushers. And there's only seven people in there now at any Mm -hmm. given time. And, uh, that, the heart that was the most difficult transition coming back into a studio space with absolutely no sounds, yeah, like nobody talking, just a reverence, <laughs> a weird like vacuum setting <laughs> that and just that people was like weird. listening
0: very closely opposed Ever, to, like, yes, performing. and nobody's,
3: <laughs> yeah, nobody's, nobody's listening to hear, like, well, I mean, Kristen and Mike are hearing, are listening to the sound of the jokes, but like, mostly everyone's just listening for like. Oh, she hit the microphone with her chest. Her boob knocked into the microphone. We have to do that again. We have to do that again because that's just like I heard a boob or a chain. Is she wearing a chain? (laughs) Is she wearing a necklace? Because the necklace is bumping. So (laughs) it's not like the most exciting atmosphere. So I had to go back to playing music in between just to keep my brain just to amp myself up a little bit (laughs)
0: is it david letterman who used to run i think that was his thing oh he did i think before the show he'd rant he did a run back and forth
3: okay okay everybody's got their thing i I just listened to like demi lovato that just sort of does it (laughs) you
0: know the other obvious big thing that changed just last year you know you you started the show and trump wasn't president but he was running so he was in politics and yes. so as a result, the news cycle adjusted accordingly mm-hmm. and then he was president and, you know, it it was the pace in which he made news. And, mm-hmm. then, and then he wasn't president and yes. he wasn't on social media, right? So again. <laughs> oh, my God. Now that you've had a few months mm-hmm. that it's not both not him around, but also mm-hmm. like not that pace, has it ha- – have you noticed sort of changes in the show's – not necessarily tone or voice, but like how you work or the pace. Of or course, type of st-
3: we're yeah. all much happier, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> like immensely happier as people, as people making a show, as citizens of America mm-hmm. and the world. Like it, I mean, the change, I think it took us, and you know, that was like a lot of conversation was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what's the transition going to be for the show? But I'm like, there was, I think there was a a two-day transition
2: Mm -hmm.
3: where he got kicked off of social media and everybody walked around, not just from the show, but like in the world, in in America, where we were all in a fugue state. And we were like, what am I supposed to be mad at? Like, I know there's something I got to find. Let me just like, where is it? where is it and then i kind of was like a zombie for a little while like two days but honestly 48 hours and then monday hit and i was like this is fucking great (laughs) this is fucking great i woke up i scrolled the news it's still bad there's loads of bad news but i didn't have that thing Mm. just like lording over my consciousness. And it was a delight. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It was like acclimatizing to a new elevation, a higher elevation. Like it was just like getting used to more oxygen.
0: Yeah. You went down a hill.
3: I went like up and down at the same time, but my lungs expanded. And I think mm-hmm. that's true for everybody. Everybody at the show, we're finding there's more joy. We're doing the pace that we should be doing. We're we're working at the pace that we should have always been working at. The the thing that we looked forward to when we thought when we all thought that like Hillary was gonna win because we were like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this election cycle. Wouldn't it be nice to just have like a stable, imperfect president that we can just like make fun of and whatever and talk about other stuff. That took, you know, four odd years. To get back to that place, mm-hmm. so that it's been great. No regrets. Hundred percent would do again. Yeah, yeah.
0: The one thing I you know, Dan Rather asked if you took it easier on Biden. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you had to say you you kind of did. At least at, I imagine during the election.
3: Yeah, Dan Rather, my good friend Dan Rather, yeah. was like, "Do you pull your punches with Biden?" And I think that that's true. I think we're all kind of like, "Well, let's see if he." a good thing like hoping but we've since since that dan rather episode aired we did a whole thing on immigration policy and like we're very consistent i think Mm -hmm. we're consistent on tone and also it's nice to be pleased by some things that have happened that's a good feeling too
0: yeah so um with the the gun special you know you've done Guns throughout the show, like sure. multiple times. So where did the idea of like, we should do guns again and we should do it bigger or more or different? Where How did it start? How did it sort of go from there?
3: Well, the idea came from, you know, for practical, you know, practically what happened was that it really was just us responding to like just a series of shoots. There was like a couple of weeks in April, May or late April, late March, early April. It's 1997 perpetually, um, where it was just like shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting, and just kind of really, people were starting to talk about how much gun violence there was last year, how it was actually much worse than it had been in previous years. And uh, it just became something that we were talking about, I was thinking about. And then pragmatically, now that we're in a studio and we're in a kind of a stable space, I actually think that it's time now to expand our horizons a little mm. bit. You know, now we have we kind of ha- we have a, a, a stable visual for the show. Like these are just, you know, TV thoughts. <laughs> They're <laughs> dumb. But, you know, you're in a studio and 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 you want to like expand that world a little bit. We can shoot more normally now. That was a really long process. Our field department did an incredible job filming throughout the pandemic when really we couldn't be in person mm-hmm. at all. And so now that we can be in person, now that everybody's vaccinated, there was just so much more comfort. Like, could we all be in the same space? Could we have a bigger crew? Could we just like expand the visual horizon of yeah. the show? So there, it was really twofold which is why, and I'm not going to actually tell you where I'm traveling because I'm going to make it like, where in the world is Sam, And <laughs> And that's a part of that, you know, just let's go out. We have all, I just want to be out in the world a little bit more and do um, long form storytelling. Yeah, It's really fun. We've just, we've experimented with it in the past. I love doing it. And, and it's just fun to, to break it up a little bit that way. It is,
0: it is also what of the the things that makes of the things that makes your show different is that you're a host and you do host things, but you also do field, and you've always mm-hmm. been so natural on the field, and I think I think it helps. It's hard to do field when you're literally like outside when you're doing the hosting part. So I imagine like right. oh now we have a hosting part now the field now there's the there's a reason field exists, is to sort of shake things up like that.
3: To shake things – I'm a big fan, like, for my own purposes. Dynamic variance in something is critical for me. I don't don't think that I have a short attention span particularly, but I do want to be taken on a journey. Like, I want you to take my hand and drag me to a bunch of different places with your TV program or whatever it is that you're doing. That's just what I like. It's what I favor, and so I like to do that with the show, and I think that's more possible now Mm -hmm. and very – just important yeah because i do love to be in the field and i do love to go places and talk to real people and it's you know it's part of the reason why i want to do this job and why i love this job so incorporating that more fully into a longer episode is is super delightful for me yeah.
0: so for so you have the ideas like we should do something on guns
3: mm-hmm.
0: how is it what is the process of deciding what you should do how you should do it like who's involved is it do you start with the oh this is the serious topic we need to cover and then we figure out how to make it funny here's a funny thing we should do and we should figure out what the se- like how that mixture of doing this type of combo mm-hmm. how does it truly how does that happen well
3: i think every long form episode like this is it, you come to it differently i think that in this case um i kept having and we're still working remotely Essentially, we have a central office space, but generally speaking, like a lot of the staff still is abroad and we're all just working, working in this manner. So I started having Zooms, like big, big huddle Zooms with, uh, with Mike and Kristen, the two head writers, with the EPs, with co-EP, like producers. And we just started having kind of big meetings about how to you know there was a lot of there's some convincing involved i'm like i think we can i think this is the right idea for a spot. like i think if we're gonna do a special episode i think this is really fruitful and it was in particular the gun special was a vanity project i mean like having a show with your own name on it is just like a vanity show. project like period but this one i felt desperate and i felt really i just felt like no progress was being made. I felt incredibly frustrated. I was like, why can we not get anything done? Like, what is wrong with us that mm-hmm. we have all of these people, the vast majority of people in the country who do want change in this, in the gun space, as we say in the bills? And our leadership is really not taking up the mantle. Like, it's imp- crazy to me that something like ghost guns was even like a fight that anyone Mm -hmm. would go, no, we should definitely have 3D printable weapons and everyone should have access to them. So I was very frustrated. I think I did several, called several Zoom meetings where we're just kind of like trying to, it takes weeks, you know what I mean? You're all like, let's meet on Friday at 11. And everyone's like, oh, okay.
0: Because <laughs> it's just like the agenda is like, it just says oh, guns. And yeah, just like, like guns, <laughs>
3: make guns funny. And <laughs> and I'm like, I, and I got on my high horse and I'm like, it's fucking ridiculous. And everyone's like, she's really not going to be able to pull this off. And everyone gently tries to get me off of it. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but what if we didn't? And I, But I knew and I believed that this would be a good idea for us. And in fact, it was. And so then the ideas start flowing once everyone's like, she's not getting off of this. Maybe we should. Okay, Mm -hmm. but what about this? And then we start talking about the concrete ideas. And then I literally, I know a lot of us do in the meeting. Kim Kim Burgess, who produced the special, is like, she's like writing on Post-it notes, and I'm writing on Post-it notes, and then I'm like, okay, we'll do, you know, we'll do, a, we're going to do a cold open, and I think it, the tone should be this. I think we'll do a first act about, like, what can our meat act be mm-hmm. about? Like, what is the thing that we want to say? So we'll have something meaty, and we'll just try to do a field piece where we talk to actual people who are out there doing stuff. Um, So it comes together in that It goes from the very vague to the more and more specific. And Mike and Kristen were like, we think we need some, like, we want to do some sketches. I'm like, let's do some sketches. Let's, like, all get in a room and and film something just, like, super funny and great and dumb. We'll do that. And it comes, it's just, like, a very big Mm -hmm. vomit idea. And then everybody, we all start surgically putting it together. And then I start doing post-it notes at home. I did this long. This is so ridiculous. I did this long because I'm, as we s- were already speaking about dynamic variants, it's always mm-hmm. in my head. I'm always like, we'll go here, then we go here, then we do this. And so I did a post-it note array of what I thought the whole special could look like. And it took me, my brain thinks quite slowly. And so yeah. it took me a couple of weeks to get there and everyone's like, can you make up your fucking mind? And I'm like, I need to think. I need to mull. People hear the word mull and they want to, <laughs> they were just like, I hate her so much, mm-hmm. but I do mull a lot and get a lot of clarity in the morning after a good sleep. So I mulled a lot, and then I made this long post-it note thing on my mm-hmm. dining room table and took a photograph of it and sent it to everybody on the Slack chain. I think this is the portrait of the special, and then nobody could read it because the
0: writing was too small. Sure, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: There's a little bit of that. So but it- a little bit of magic.
0: It's interesting because you essentially have a brain for not like, oh, I know all the words. It's like, you know, but as you know, it should go like this and then this and there should be this part. And then yeah. we'll, we can cut away from it. But we'll have that, you know, you have the sense of the, the energy of it opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, I need to yes. write every specific joke. And that's exactly the show. The, the show is the you have a broad picture of it. And then like ultimately you sort of fill in the blanks.
3: 100%. A hundred percent. Yes. It all starts with the energy and I'm very granular in a yeah. super annoying way about the details.
0: Yeah. I mean it, it these things set a tone and and otherwise it's I mean, especially as you're trying to do a special that is like not fully you're not like fully doing a hugely different thing. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a special and you can tell that because I'm in Australia or whatever. It's like right. ultimately-
3: Right, right, right. Yes, yes.
0: How, so how does the, the car idea come about and evolve?
3: Uh, one of the two heads of the field department, Todd Bieber, literally just blurted out the idea <laughs> in one of our giant Zooms. was like, why don't we take a car and we'll uh, treat it like it? there were never any regulations uh, on it. And I was like, that's just funny. And he was uh-huh. like, and we'll get a mechanic. I know a guy who's a mechanic and he'll like build. Could we just like buy a car? He was like, what? What if we just buy a car and we just take away everything that is the law mm-hmm. and make it a, like a murder car? And I was like, I love this idea so much. And then I wrote it down on a post-it note. And then after, we're, you know, then we're slacking and I'm like, can we really buy a car? Like, we, is this really possible? Do you really know someone? He's like, I definitely know someone. I'm going to check. And then we pull that all together. And then we go to our line producer and we go, can we have money to buy a car? And he goes, What? I hate specials. This is dumb.
0: <laughs> yeah, you had to buy a full car. T- you had
3: to buy a full car and wreck it.
0: Yeah, immediately.
3: You, you know, that was one one of the first ideas that actually was pretty fully formed. I and mean, I know that Todd knew exactly what it would look like. And I immediately knew exactly what it would look like. And... Then he filmed it, and it looked exactly as I imagined. Mm -hmm. And it was—it's pretty perfect. I really loved it.
0: So, what was the process with the mechanic in terms, like, was were the writing staff just talking to this mechanic? Like, how does the mechanic know what to be doing? There's like so many jokes built into this car.
3: We have a large staff of amazing minds, so. Everybody goes into creative huddles. They're like, what can we strip off this car? Like, what can we add to this car? What's funny? I think at some point I was like, can we put like a... I think Todd was like, we should have... It should serve alcohol. One of us, or maybe he suggested, I don't even remember, but we were like, we should have a hamster drip of like hard liquor in the car. And um, it's a super collaborative experience of like joke, literally joke meetings and then meeting with the mechanic who... Is He is is a performer in his own right, but I think his, I'm tracing it back, I believe his dad owns an auto body shop or possibly is such an auto body person that it's like their hobby that they just do. They like rebuild cars. So, you know, he's kind of twofold. He's actually great on camera because he does that, but also he knows how to build cars like quite well
0: how long did it take for him to do that
3: a couple of weeks it didn't take long and we didn't buy a brand new car
0: Of yeah, course, it was fair.
3: used i mean let's be honest um it took a couple of weeks yeah it took a couple of weeks
0: are you getting updates or are they sending you like oh look what we did like are you or was what you know because in the special you get surprised when you see the final thing they like, did
3: not show me they todd did not want me to see the final product until i arrived at at the airport, we filmed the last, we filmed the big reveal at uh, like a small private airport in somewhere in Connecticut. Um, so I actually hadn't seen the full car. I had seen the segments uh, leading up to that, but I hadn't mm-hmm. seen like the full array, like the, you know, like the saws, the operational saws on the front end did not, was not familiar with every aspect of it. The bubble machine was great.
0: Yeah, what was it like? We're, I mean, like, walk me through everything. You taken the the blindfold <laughs> it, off. Walk through what goes through your head.
3: It was incredible. He did such a great job. Like, pulled off the 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 roof and the doors. Seatbelts gone. A hamster drip of hard liquor. Like steering wheel gone. Obviously, airbag. Like, not even a hope of airbags. A very distracting TV monitor in the back. Just with me doing the show in a very shrill loop, a bubble machine that obscures your visuals. Well, sorry the, the steering wheel was a child's mm-hmm. toy steering wheel um, sparks. it had like sp- it had sp- spikes on the wheels and then these two like or no four, Metal thing. I don't. I don't know how to describe. I don't car, know what they were really, things.
0: It was. It was like a piece of metal that was there just to make sparks. Just to make
3: sparks. Like just to ignite a gasoline drip, should it happen, and and then saws in the front for <laughs> removing livestock from the road. I don't even know. There were just every. It was a. It was a goddamn mess. It's a goddamn. I mean, we destroyed it after we did demo. The vehicle because no one should
0: drive that thing. Were you like, this is exactly why I have this show? Oh, yeah. You know, there's only so many times in comedy where you get to like, really like, I have this vision of, or there's, and then here's this thing. It's like, usually jokes don't come to life in such a way.
3: It is so fun when jokes come to life. I have to say, like, even. You know, with the car, especially, you just visualize that you're just like, "What if it looked like this?" I, I wonder what Todd will come up with, and then he just comes up with the exact thing that was in your imagination. And Mike and Kristen, they're like, "What if we do a sketch about like how to, <laughs> how to make guns like uncool?" Um, and and what they present then they present then they're like okay well we wrote it like just like here's the first draft of this thing we're gonna like it's like a panel discussion about how to make guns uncool and i read it i'm like it's perfect don't change it and then they they and then they were like well we rewrote it and we just like made it a little tighter i'm like put it all back it was <laughs> oh, <really>? great <laughs> i really miss those jokes <laughs> you know that is the and exact then,
0: opposite of what I've-
3: <laughs> <laughs> i know i <laughs> I know, we're like, I know it's long, but it's worth it. And then suddenly then Richard Marks agrees to do a PSA about how to make guns, about how cool guns are because he's so uncool. And we're like, how do you go to Richard Marks? And you're like, man, you're so uncool. Can you just do a thing about how guns are super cool and then everyone will think they're uncool? And he's like, I totally get it. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: then he filmed it without us. He was already on set doing something else. And he was like, I did all your footage. And we were like, what? What are you talking about? And it was incredible. It was incredible. He did an incredible job. So, you know, everybody, it was very special, special. It was special
0: to my Hmm. heart. I also was thinking it's like you can make the point of like, right, you can do a tweet version of this joke, which is like, Imagine if we treated ca- cars like we do guns, and like, I guess people would find it funny, but there is something sure. of if you see this car right. now like this is when you think of guns, this car is now part of it. I think there mm-hmm. is something just like powerful of
3: it's a great how, visual. Yeah. It's just a great it's it is a powerful visual, but it's also just like funny. It's just yeah. dumb. It's so yeah. stupid. The things the shit we put up with, the things we just accept as reality are preposterous. This is absurd.
0: Yeah, I think it, it is. It's like, right? You can be like, "That's so dumb." It's like, yes, that is the we did the yes. dumbest. This is how dumb it is. It's not even just dumb to think this, that guns are bad, but like we went to so far of an extent. We as yeah. grown ups were like, "This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna spend. We're gonna buy mm-hmm. a car for how dumb this is."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're
0: that dumb that this, and that's how dumb this <laughs> is. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly what were your goals when you were like endeavoring to make this special? And then, you know, after making it and and finishing it, what were your goals afterwards? Like, what did you hope?
3: I don't know. I don't know that I hoped for, um, it's, it's hard to hope. I actually, for myself, hoped that I would have hope at the end of Mm -hmm. it. If that, it's too, it's a pretty, it's, that's pretty small. And again, I say it is a, it was a vanity project in that sense. But I did actually walk away feeling. bad. I don't. You're never going to feel good about yeah. the condition of things. But I, I went and talked to violence interrupters. I thought that was that was a really great couple of conversations. Like that was meaningful. I talked to Shannon Watts. I think she does incredible work. Like I needed to be reengaged on this subject. I think it's like so big. And Mm -hmm. so heavy and so, I mean, it's it's dreadful. I needed to know that people are doing stuff every single day and that I could actually be a part of that in a quiet quiet way, doing my own little civic duty. Like, you know, we do a lot of like telling people, you know, like engagement on the show and we're always like, do this, do this, send post-it, like here, buy some stamps, let's save Mm -hmm. a post office and stuff like that. But- Sometimes I forget that it's very important to write letters to the president. Like, it's very important. So now I have, I was like, yes, I got my stamps. I do it all. I wrote letters to everybody. I mailed them. You know, those little civic-minded mm-hmm. things make, they make a really big difference. And other than voting, they make the most amount of difference.
0: Yeah. You 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 call it a vanity project. It's part of you, like, well, if I feel this way, my list, my listeners, my my mm-hmm. audience also feel this way, and and part of the job of a host of a show like this is to be the surrogate experiencer of these things. Right. Like, do you think of that terms, or are you truly just like I feel this way, so we're doing this. Like, is the idea that they they get to experience this through you?
3: It's a. Pens, I love our audience. I actually think our audience is really loyal and really super engaged. And they're really mm-hmm. with us. And that is great. I don't take them for granted at all. Sometimes, sometimes I know something from just kind of being in this world a lot, you know, being in the news stream and being kind of like just having an awareness of so many things that are going on simultaneously. And sometimes I'm very conscious of the audience and I'm like, I can tell you that I only know about this thing because we all work together and this is what our life is and we are in this bubble. But I can tell you that my audience needs to know more about why this is this way. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I can can sense when we're glossing over something that is just assumed knowledge Mm -hmm. that my audience probably doesn't have, because they're living their lives, you know, they have, they have lives and jobs and families and yeah. shit like that. So, so you know, there's a tendency we're always like, everybody knows that this is this way, that they've got this. And I'm like, I don't think they do. So I'm sensitive to like moving too quickly through certain mm-hmm. types of information because I think our audience would value hearing it again or hearing it in a different way or hearing it broken down. I think I'm pretty good at knowing when we need to slow down a bit and make things super clear. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the gun special, it, I, I did think of the audience, but mostly I was thinking of myself Got like, it. can I just know what's really happening? Out there, please. I need this. Cause I've talked, I've talked a lot about gun violence on the yeah. show or, you know, it happens.
0: You know, it's, you, you, you like everyone who does a job in this area got got asked this question a lot during the Trump administration, which is like, mm-hmm. "What does your show do? Can it save us?" Blah blah, blah. all that, all right. those things. And then you are Team Catharsis. We create catharsis, and it can, you know, and yep. I think I want to ask the follow up question of this, which is mm-hmm. what What is the as it relates to being an engaged populace or having an audience that you want to be engaged or help them be engaged, what is the value of catharsis? What is the societal benefit of having people have catharsis around things like this?
3: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I never thought about that part of it. Thanks a lot. Um, Like it's, you need to, sometimes you just need to know that you're not the crazy one that people Mm. around you feel the same way that you do. And you just want to know that you're not like, (laughs) I, it's really, this is, this is also dumb, but there was a part of me like pretty early in the Trump administration. And we're all just like despondent and coming to the realization that no one's, no one's, writing in to save us here. Like mm-hmm. we have a chance three and a half years from now to save ourselves, but that's about it. Uh, where I was like, Oh, we just need to, I just want to be a person. I, I have this platform. I would like to just plant a flag on the right side of history and just be a place where people who are on this side of history, where we can all gather and go, we we're right this is this is the way it is. This is this is the correct attitude like for my children as a beacon mm. of sanity coming from this country to others around the world. I don't know. Listen, it, it, catharsis was important to me. I was like a huge Daily Show fan before I got the job there in 2003. And it was important to me. I just it was like an appointment. It was appointment watching for me to, you know, to gather at 11 o'clock and be like, the Iraq war is fucking awful. George Bush is so Uh, stupid. This is terrible. (laughs) You know? I just needed that. I just needed that as a human being. And it helped me. It engaged me with like the information differently. It helped me to distill my own feelings on on the matter. I think sometimes our our show challenges our audience. I think that's important, too. We, like, honor them and love them, but also I think we challenge their worldview sometimes, and I think that's important, too. Uh, the more people are thinking is good. The more I'm mm-hmm. thinking is good.
0: Obviously, it's a comedy show, and you've talked about it. If, it. if it's not, then you're just sort of, like, do kind of doing activism on TV, but not really because you're just doing a TV show. But if you don't right. do anything, then you're – the show's not really saying anything. What mm-hmm. what is the balance that you feel like you're at now? I imagine it has evolved. I imagine every year, every story it does. But mm-hmm. you know, where do you feel right now about where the line is for you?
3: So we're like out there making, I think, gr- great quality, high caliber mm-hmm. comedy. La Shaw is very funny all the time, and uh, and we it's critical. It's critical. It's like, it. that's the goal. Like, we're all in comedy because we started in comedy because we're like, I want to work in comedy. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It wasn't like we were like, I'm a professional activist and now I shall shall contain my message. I shall encapsulate my message of activism in comedy jokes. Teach me what is jokes. Like, we all start, (laughs) comedy is just what we all do. That's what we will all continue to do once full frontal ends or whatever we all move on to something else we'll all still be doing comedy that's a for sure um and then the news part and the the other stuff and the the issues that we talk about it's just the merging of two great passions but i would say that comedy is first and foremost what we do
0: this i know but i've started meeting some comedians who literally have got into it as an extension of activism. They're like, really? I'm an activist. Yeah, and I was, yeah. And I was like, I think it's these young kids, they <laughs> Well,
3: these young kids, if you look back at my body of work, you'll see it's very dumb all the way pretty consistently all the way through.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think I th- I think that the sort of the I guess the other way is that, you know you've you know you've talked about how you really liked sixty minutes growing up I did. or Your, you know, your mom raised you to care about issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this? I didn't. I didn't
3: didn't care about any of my mom's issues until I got older.
0: She raised you to try to, but she didn't say you like And then, you know, in so much as what, what about this type of comedy? This type of show is ultimately just sort of the best articulation of what you try to do as a comedian. I, you know,
3: it it happened. Pretty. I have to say that it happened pretty organically. Yeah. I admired and I watched. I really consumed The Daily Show and I loved it because it was that perfect synthesis of two things that I care s- super deeply about. And so it was a lucky break for me. I don't know that I would be doing that type of work if I mean I was about to like bow out of entertainment altogether. Yeah. Right before I got that job, so. I honestly was getting a job at an advertising agency, so I probably, like, I was like, should I go back? Should I get take the LSAT and go to law school? Like, I gotta figure something out here. I would like to pay a mortgage yeah. one day. Um, so it really was, like, a lifetime of preparedness, okay, met a golden opportunity, and then a ton of hard work kind yeah. of conspired to make this possible. But it, but it took a year i mean yeah. it took me my learning curve at the daily show was long and i don't think i ever really stopped learning and still don't ever stop learning really um but it was long it was many years of working there very consistently before i actually i was i was going to say it was many years before i thought i won't get fired now it probably was like a decade
0: We'll be right back with more Samantha B.
1: Fox Creative.
3: This is advertiser content from Zell.
1: The recruiter said all I needed to do was send $500 to cover mandatory safety training, and the job was mine.
3: In a world where financial crimes are more and more sophisticated, there's a
0: team that's got your back
1: yee Come in, safe squad. We got
0: a 10-3. Copy that, dispatch. We're on it.
1: Hop in, Skip. We got a phony recruiter. Safe squad. The crime drama everyone is talking about. I know it's only
0: my first day, but that sounds like a pretty cut-and-dry job scam. Strap in, rookie. These days, criminals can even make it look like it's your bank call. But that's where we
1: come in. My what? It's my savings account. Compromised? No, I won't hold. No, I didn't authorize a $12,000 withdrawal. That's my life savings. Why don't you come with me? I'll show you how to report to the FTC. What payment platform did you use? Let's contact them too.
3: Don't miss the TV event of the season, Safe Squad.
1: Hey, Ace. Yeah, kid? You're right. That was one hell of a first day.
3: Learn how you can spot the signs of a scam so you don't have to call the Safe Squad by visiting
0: www.vox.com slash SafeSquadHQ. Remember, never send money online to people you don't already know and trust.
1: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary workday until... The Singapore presentation is at... <laughs> 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. And we're back with
0: Samantha B. As, as a person who, who is asked about this stuff a lot, do you think about why people want comedy to be saving the world? What does it say about our culture that comedian that there are these people who either rightfully or wrongfully are like really believe it? Like, you know, there's a reason why you and, and John and Steven, everyone's like, look, we're just a comedy show because they have to push back on these people who are trying to say it's so much more. What do you think it is about? America as an outsider.
3: I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are just like, maybe everyone's looking for an easy answer. Like I do. I know that the whole time I was at The Daily Show and this the big conversation before Trump, I think, in the world of Mm -hmm. political comedy was, I get my news from The Daily Show. Like I get my news from you. And why do you deny that this is true? Like, because we all spent all of our days going, you didn't get your news from this show. You didn't. This is not fucking true. Like you think you did and you heard the news differently because it resonated differently because it's delivered differently. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't know the story, if you weren't familiar with the players, if you knew nothing, you wouldn't find any of these jokes funny. So like by osmosis, you're getting more. And by the way, and I think this is, not talked about enough, so I'll say it. We cannot do our jobs without journalists. yeah, we like cannot do it. We can't there if we don't have all the frontline clips, we can't fucking do make our show the way that we make it, <laughs> okay? Like we can't. so we are just taking from the real news and synthesizing it in a different way. People are not really getting, people never did really get their news from The Daily Show or they, you know, it was got bro- broken down differently and you yeah. felt like a sane person and that's part of the whole catharsis. And so it it's, that's great. But if you were watching The Daily Show and you were like, what is Iraq? I never, is something, is that, a where's that? What is happening? Like, while wow, your experience of the show would have been bananas, just been, it would be like when I okay, when Spinal Tap came out, I went to see it at, in Toronto at the Cineplex at the Eaton Center, and I took mm-hmm. my grandmother, and uh, and neither of us knew that it was a joke. She was like, "This band is terrible," and I was like, "They are." I'm laughing. I think this is a joke. And she was like, no, they're not talented, and I hate this picture. (laughs) I want to go see Terms of Endearment again. (laughs) I feel like you would watch, you would be like, am I a space alien watching this man talk about George Bush? Who's that? Yeah. How would you have enjoyed, what would your experience of watching that show have been like? I'm trying
0: to to think, because I i wasn't i you know i started watching when i was like a teenager mm-hmm. i i it's hard because the truth is like there are news segments if you mm-hmm. don't like if you follow if you watch the show every week whenever the iraq war started mm-hmm. john was like we're at war and there's here's a clip of being like we're at you know all the people saying that mm-hmm. so some in some ways i'm getting some of the news from those cliffs and then john ends up talking about it but sure well the clips, or headlines i don't I know i mean we're all yeah. just
3: watching clips of the real news <laughs> I know, it's, you
0: know it is it is it is funny because there was someone on twitter the other day mm-hmm. said something like um they're criticizing the news media and was like this is why so many journalists are going into comedy instead of journalism i was like that's not most journalists are not
3: they're not going into comedy like most like, journalists are going into com- what the fuck are you talking about
0: yeah I was, no I, and it's like yes you guys have researchers but you don't have like investigative reporters
3: no I mean we have like we have people who worked in hard news yeah, like yeah, a yeah. lot of people and they're incredible and they set our comedy brains right when we're like I thought this was true about this and they're like no here's the documents that prove you've had a misunderstanding of this issue since your teenage years. Um, So they, (laughs) our research department is like, is a huge part of our show. We could not make the show without them. We would make so many mistakes all the time Mm -hmm. without them. We have incredible fact checkers, but like, and they transitioned to comedy, but I'm sure when they started working at Full Frontal, you know, for many of them, it was their first job job synthesizing these two worlds and it Mm. was like what are you doing (laughs) your (laughs) standards are too low yeah let's step it up you know i'm sure that was very weird
0: it seems like a lot of people misunderstand or don't totally get it or maybe they're not comedy savvy enough i was thinking Mm -hmm. about you know i was preparing so i was thinking a lot about you know your last few years and um partly the the feckless c-word situation mm-hmm. and how the media covered that and yeah and then i was also thinking about your daily show piece about the five and how gutfeld now has his like has a late night comedy show right. on fox news right but he's like seemingly doing like a fox news type show mm-hmm. and and this is not like a knock on anything that anyone's doing but it does seem like to some you can, people you, i
3: think you could knock on sure well, I don't G- know. I
0: honestly, well, no, this is not, not. It's a knock on Gutfeld, but I think there's a thing of some of these, especially the cable news networks, mm-hmm. and saw The Daily Show, and instead of listening to the criticism, was like, "Oh, we should make our news more like The Daily Show."
3: Right. People we just sh- want to watch clips. Yeah. They just want to watch. They just like the format. It was like they <laughs> they were like, "We should steal the format." Yeah. But have zero and not listen to any of the stuff where there's like meat yeah yeah they're, yeah do you, you feel just... like
0: they they're i mean and but also it's like i mean how would i put it there's that why why We've, can't they
3: why can't they make a joke funny
0: yeah no well, that, it's more like have we trained america to want news to be like television shows i guess is the question
3: oh Oh, by doing these kinds of... Yeah. Right, right, That we want right. the news
0: to be more like TV shows. Like, we were like, this well, is good.
3: I mean, it was already like a TV sure, show. Yeah. You know, there are definitely, you know, networks have been doing their very darndest to make news like TV, to make news like exciting. Like yeah, with yeah. Graphics package, like, to make people tune in. And they've just monetized it in a way that is uh, probably not been overall super great <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for uh for, you know real news storytelling yeah uh 24 hour news cycles they need to be fed you know i, I was going to say like they're like gremlins but i think you don't feed those and so it's a really <laughs> shit analogy because i never saw gremlins i think you're supposed to starve them so never mind yeah yeah they
0: can't eat after a can't eat. Time okay um, um- but it okay. does.
3: Yeah, it needs to be fed like, like just like the 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 coal fired furnace in the belly of a ship.
0: This I know. The, the because I had to hear you talk about it and they play the clip. Mm-hmm. I kept on thinking about how "feckless C-word is a funny combination of words. Like it has yeah. a lot of like hard noun sounds it's and like double syllables. Great. It's great. Then, I was like, that's part of why it blew up. Was like, it is fun to hear you say it. Yeah. So it's like a good clip to cut to.
3: Definitely. Thank you.
0: That's it. I was just like, no one talked about that. It was funny that they're funny sounds. Um, They are.
3: Just like Krusty the Clown said. Yeah. Cucamonga.
0: In many ways, Krusty the Clown has a similar sound. Anyway. um, Listen, Krusty the Clown is a huge influence.
3: (laughs) I'm not going to deny that. The Simpsons. I mean, can you imagine? We've all. We've all stolen so much from The Simpsons. Like, who would we be without them?
0: I can I can't think about what I would how I would talk if I didn't Mm-mm. have those rhythms. I yeah, don't know.
3: Same. I don't know either. I really <laughs> don't know. You know, it's so cr- it's so cruel when you're like, here's a funny joke we just made and you're like, oh, like a Simpsons joke in
0: 2006. And if it's not the exact thing, it is the it's the, the, the rhythm thing. of it. Yeah. You know it. You're like, oh, I I know this is a Simpsons joke yeah. even if it isn't. Like these they'll jo- get to it sometimes.
3: Totally. These these jokes are in my DNA somehow. Mhm.
0: You know, um one thing I want to talk about is sometimes when people bring up about like what have your what is your show done to make the world better? You'll mention your family leave policy.
3: Oh, right.
0: Mm-hmm. And what you announced last January mm-hmm. and you talked about how it was the most generous of your late nights you cha- challenged the other shows. You know, mm-hmm. why was that important to you? What did that mean to you? Why does that why does that stand up as much as the things that you've done, if not more so than the stuff that you've done? as the show
3: well um I, okay well first of all it really was just a really practical yeah because like one of our um y- you know a producer on the show got pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and we were like oh, holy shit i was like wait a minute well do you have a family leave policy like what is it and yeah. then we realized that it really was like it didn't exist It just wasn't, it didn't, we didn't really have one because we hadn't been really uh, called to create one. And my, I remembered my, uh, my leave at the Daily Show was not, I'm from, you know, I'm originally from Canada where people get a year, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: like a full year at, I don't know what the pay scale is, but it's like a full year at 66% of your pay or something like that from most employers. And um, it's just like codified in Canada. And you just come to expect that you'll have that year with mm-hmm. your, with your baby or your child. And so we were, we were called to to create a policy. And then I was like, we have to make a, we have to have the best policy. We just have to have the best policy. We have to like be a leader, mm-hmm. not just, I'm not, not like, let's compete against the other shows like you know let's like let's like win the competition but like what would be helpful what would i have wanted yeah. i just asked myself what would i have wanted given that it's america you're not going to get a year like we all know that that's crazy but i would have wanted 6 months i would have wanted yeah. 6 months i needed that time i wasn't ready to go back my listen john was incredibly generous about giving me however much time I needed off. But I actually couldn't afford to stay off work Mm. for as long as I wanted to. I needed to work. yeah. Um, And so, you know, you can do all of these kind of big things and calls to action and stuff like that in the world. And then they're not really within your control. Um, But one of the things that we could do was control our own happiness like mm. within the organization so yeah we made a really I think it's I think it's I think our family leave policy is tw- 20 full paid weeks which is five months but if you incorporate all of our breaks mm. which we have like very scheduled breaks it actually is six months of fully paid leave which is great yeah and the reason I challenged all the other shows is because they should have it too we work in Television. We're not like neurosurgeons. We should want to do this. Like we should not. (laughs) We should have the freedom and flexibility, and we should enjoy our jobs and feel supported to do them. And so we did put it in place. And I don't know if other shows adopted that. I really, really don't know. And if they do, that's great.
0: It's it's interesting. You know, you're in this position of being a boss. Do you feel like you're a different (laughs) boss? I mean, you you only worked on one other show, but do you feel like you're a different boss? than the show that you worked on or you have writers who might have worked at other shows? Do you feel like you, you are different? I do.
3: I do think I am different. I do think that I am different. I'm really... I mean, I kind of said this before. Uh, I am really quite involved mm. in a different way. Like, I'm involved in the the creative part of the show, but I'm also aware of the problems we have mm. as a company, the successes that we have as a company. I am constantly tweaking our processes. I'm constantly thinking about managing uh, the staff. I'm very involved in that in a way that is uh, humble, like really humble. <laughs> and uh, it's by choice. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's by, it's by choice because no place I've ever worked before has had that. Like I I don't, I'm not even, I'm not sitting before you claiming to know everything about my workplace. I really can't. But I probably know more about the ins and outs of my workplace than most other people in Mm -hmm. my position. I will say that. And that is by design and it's uh, equal parts I think it's I think it's really great and I think it's really important because I I just do I don't know how can I, I I don't I don't even know how to talk about this I learn from it it's incredibly humbling because when you're doing something wrong or you've made a choice or you've allowed a choice to be made without your knowledge that affects people's lives it's very hard to correct that And not every decision is easy. And Mm. you have to make hard decisions based on, you know, like how the workplace is affected by this thing that you're being called to do. It's actually very, very challenging. And it's it's really can be very painful. Um, I'm very, I'm happy to do it because I think I'm a, I think I'm a better, uh, I don't think that I'm particularly good at, management naturally i'm it's hard to learn on the job yeah but i'm always trying really hard to do to do the right thing i actually and i think that's part of it like if you're not in the trenches a little bit or just like dealing with the nitty-gritty of it it i i don't know what you're doing i don't know that's a bad that's a bad long answer but like uh it, it takes up a lot of time and energy. Yeah, It takes up a tremendous amount of time and energy. And if you don't do it, I don't know. I guess you reap what you sow. Like if you don't do it, you'll be blindsided when there's big problems, like big interior structural problems. And I'd rather know about the problems and work kind of diligently mm-hmm. to fix them or make things better or maybe not fix them, but have a pretty fucking good reason for not fixing it. I can't make the workplace delightful for everyone all the time. It's still work, yeah, and you still have to hate somebody and not get along with your coworkers somewhat. I can't fix those things, but as we go, I try to like do the right thing and do yeah. the right thing. Like we're taking a, you know. Anyways, oh yeah, like like it, but it's good. It's all.
0: That's good. Um, you. When you guys started, you do, you like to say, you know, your goal was to kick the barn doors open and come yeah. from your gut. You know, five years later, you're here. You're in the barn.
3: Right. <laughs> I'm well in the barn.
0: So what do you want to do with the place? How do you feel in it? Does it do you feel like like, oh, we now have the I'm sitting down in the barn energy? Like, obviously, I'm extending the metaphor too far, but. You did like that was like undeniably you did exactly that. That is exactly how I would describe right. what you guys did. Mm-hmm. So now that you're here, what do you, how how do you think of it?
3: It is actually like that. It's it's a it's a great question. It, you're totally right. It and it actually took five full years. Like it took me five me. It took me five full seasons to go. Oh, we're very established. Like we're part of the pantheon of established shows Mm -hmm. now. And then you go into your sixth season and you're like, okay, now it's like real. Now we have a show. That is bananas. But it's true. It took me five seasons to go, oh, all right. Yes. This is for the history books. Now we have, now we can like breathe. Actually, that's crazy. Articulating. Sometimes this is very therapeutic. I'm sweating my balls off. On the hot seat here. But it did take me five years to go, yep. Okay. As you say, in the barn. I'm going to use that in my, but you're totally right. We are in the barn. And I do think it is like, it is um, that transition to like, where the upstart, like, upstart show to like establishment show is, it takes a long time. Yeah. Mentally, it's like a mental thing because you're, you're always like, I'm fighting this. I'm swimming upstream. I'm doing my own comedy. I'm like, Mear! like you're always in there like fighting and clawing and like elbowing and, you know, trying to make a space for yourself. Um, And so you carry that energy forward. And then suddenly you employ all these people and you have to be professional. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be like a professional person who is yeah. to the best of your ability, like, Leading a large group of people,
0: yeah, like a lot of comedians get into comedy. There is like an outsider's perspective of being a comedian, mm-hmm. and you can ride that. But eventually, you get successful enough that it, it's weird to be like, "Hey, I am just an outsider. I am not." Hey, like- man, I don't know
3: what's <laughs> fucking happening here. I am just one of. I am just like you. I am like struggling in here, and you are like, "Well, not really. You do have a show with your name right. on it. Like, that's pretty great. You can be grateful. You can be thankful, and you can like." you know, do the, you can, <laughs> you can be yeah. a professional
0: also. Yeah. It, something about your, it made me think, was it harder to talk after the insurrection? Was it harder <laughs> to talk to your staff about what to do than it was to talk about it on camera? Like, do you feel like it was a similar or different experience?
3: Oh, uh, uh, I mean, we were, I don't think it was hard to talk to.
0: God, I don't know.
3: Yeah. I don't think it was hard to talk. It was hard to, I was really grateful. That was like one of the one times where I was really grateful we didn't have a show. I was supposed to go the night of the insurrection, January 6th, I was supposed to do Colbert. And it was like the insurrection was unfolding. Mm. And me and Jason and even the kids were all just like watching the we have a computer in the kitchen, and we were just like, Oh my god, what's happening? And like we were like, oh god, everything is terrible. And so all day I was like, please on your comedy show. I don't have any hot takes. I don't want to talk about it. And of course they were probably in their lair going, we can't. Remember. We don't want to have it's not appropriate. Who's going to tell her? And so when the call came, they were like, "We're thinking about." I was like, "Bumping me? Please. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> you shouldn't be talking to me. I don't have anything good to say. I'm crying." I can't, let's not talk about my sixth season of Full Frontal right now. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, oh, God, it was the best cancel, you know, when someone cancels plans. Yeah. It's a treat.
0: You know, you, you, you tend to be pretty frank about how, you know, you don't, you're, people be like how long can you do this show it's like well i'm not gonna do it forever like people assume when Mm -hmm. you get a late night show you plan on doing it until you die sure and and you'll say, why i don't know there's like you'll do this forever right and you're like you said something which is like you don't feel you're not defined by being an on-camera person Mm -hmm. and i'm not asking for like give me the exact amount more years of doing the show but sure um regardless do you have a sense of what you would want it to feel like when you're like oh i'm ready to not do this anymore
3: don't have a sense i really don't have a sense like uh i don't know that i it, w- when i finally decide to not do it anymore it will definitely be an irish exit because that's what mm-hmm. i like that's how i leave parties i back out i'm just like ah, that's so nice and then i just slowly disappear and that's probably what it would that it's probably what it will be like um, I don't think that I've done everything that I wanted to do with the show. Mm-hmm. I am not complete. I have not finished my work there. I don't really know. I don't um I don't have any plans to end the yeah. show. I really don't. But it's true what you say. I don't I'm not I don't define myself by I don't define myself by being an on camera person. I'd be still wearing blazers even if I didn't have a show. Like, that's how I dress in real yeah. life. Listen, <laughs> like, you know, I'm doing the show without an audience, and it doesn't bother me at all. I yeah. just don't need that. Not a stand-up. Like, I just don't have that, um, what is the word I'm looking for? That, that like, pathology where I have to have someone go, very good job, <laughs> Excellent. I really enjoyed kudos. Like, I love it. It's nice, but I don't, it's not, I take yeah. those from, my children don't respect me. They don't, they don't give a shit to what I do. And so, I, I'm just mostly like living a normal life and now doing, <laughs> now doing the show in a, in a black box.
0: Yeah. <laughs> do you it's think it could, it could be full frontal with somebody else or is full frontal Oh, I don't think
3: so. I think it's that's me. That's my You're show. Full frontal.
0: You yeah. are full frontal, Samantha.
3: I just don't. I can't. Ima- I don't know. Well, you know what? I never really. Let's think about it. Let's think about that. Full
0: frontal with, mm-hmm. and then another name. How do full you
3: feel? Full frontal with. Ah, uh, uh, that feels weird. <laughs> I don't know. I never tried anyone else's name. I guess I could. I'll think about that. All right, get back I'll think it. about that.
2: <laughs>
0: so now it's time for our, our final segment it's mm-hmm. called the laughing round it's like a lightning round but oh because it's a comedy show I call so it shit! so bad the at those
3: r- oh you're gonna find out really soon that I like it's- to mull every as we spoke about how I like to mull I also like to mull lightning rounds <laughs> and so they're not at all lightning they're just like I think a storm is coming and it's long it's really far away
0: Mm-hmm. But okay. little about me. I, though I created this round to ask shorter questions. Okay, it, their questions are still long.
3: Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the awesome. slowest.
0: <laughs> it's this... just sort of like different questions. It's not so questions... much
3: lightning. It's like a prairie
0: storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You'll see. All it right. Just a different vibe. Sure. Do you have a joke or segment from another show or anything that you saw? Okay. That you. We're like I wish I thought of that I wish I could steal that I wish I could have that or just like I think you'd like to try
3: no I don't okay. next quest Charles Great. that's cool. woman no but I do um there are comedy shows I have two shows that I watch that make me laugh uh, non-stop like I have one show that I watch when I go to hotel rooms mm-hmm. remember those well I'm going to another hotel room soon and i'm going to watch this cuz it gives me comfort and then i have another show that consistently i cannot stop laughing at and i love it but i don't wish it was mine
0: mm.
3: i just admire it
0: is that Are you going to say the shows? What the No, shows? it's a secret.
3: No. Um my hotel <laughs> I <was> just, show. <laughs>
0: I was like you're setting this up. I was like and those shows are And
3: no sh- no. Um i watch Lady Dynamite cuz i love it so much and i'm sad that it's over mm. but it holds up so yeah. funny! I love Maria Bamford. She doesn't know that, and I don't know her. So this is just a compliment being s- spoken into obscurity. She's
0: pretty reachable, I think. You probably,
3: I know, but like, anyone. what am I gonna? I don't know. Hey, I
0: think you're funny. Like, I like
3: yeah. you're home I enjoy your show. Um, you try on then, your podcast. Oh, I. You, she's on my list. She actually is on my list, but it's just a string. It's just forty five minutes of talking about episodes of Lady Dynamite because I love it so
0: much. I'm sure she will not remember. So Yeah, please. she'll be like,
3: oh, oh, that was a long time ago. I've moved on. Like, well, I haven't. I had a Kale Caesar the other day and I was looking in your eyes. And then I also watch, I Think You Should Leave.
2: Mm.
3: We watch, and I don't watch comedy actually really at all, like barely at all. Lady Dynamite in hotel rooms. I Think You Should Leave anytime I need to be cheered up. Because Tim Robinson is incredible. I also don't know him.
0: Um, Should I get a second cat?
3: Well, yes, I did. And they both, okay, yes, yes, you should. Okay, tell me about your first cat, and I'll diagnose whether sure. you should get so a second her, cat.
0: Her name is Bug. We've had her for mm-hmm. four years. Okay. The thing that we're not sure is so she came from a hoarder situation, so she okay. has some food. She's fine now because she trusts that we're going to food her, but mm-hmm. like there was a couple of months where we had to like get her, like she'd like if we were eating, she would like try to eat our food, which is like a thing okay. that we, is not a great sign. But now she's pretty chill with our food. Okay, so I'm always nervous that she won't. She'll get really. It'll like trigger these feelings again.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, I've had so I love cats. I have got a second cat during quarantine. And she is just brought us so much joy. She was like a campfire that just moved around the house. And we were just like, we can't stop watching you. She has like a little deformed tail. We named her Susan Collins. It makes us laugh every time we say it. We're like, Susan, get over here. She always comes. She's like a little doggy. But I've Mm -hmm. always had cats. And to me, And I'm sure everyone at the shelters will disagree. Cats, a frenemy is just as good as a friend in cat world. A frenemy is an adventure that Mm. they go on and they just, they like it and they are not sure why. They're like, oh God, I hate you. Get over here. I hate your guts. I'm gonna fight you. You are awful. Get over here and cuddle me. Fuck. Like, that's what our cats are. They fight and they totally hate love each other and it's it's like an adventure for them mm-hmm. i approve All right. this message
0: i will take, love it it. To the, take it up to the top mm-hmm. um how would you describe the honey your bees provide
3: oh it's very floral it's probably exclusively poison ivy <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like Oh, like everyone makes great. Everyone's like, my honey is clover, honey. I'm like, well, first of all, dirty secret. You don't know that because the bees go far afield. Mm. They don't necessarily want your stupid clover that you planted. I planted clover. I haven't seen a single bee on the clover. They're into the ragweed. They're like, what's an allergen? Let me go directly. They're like, Mm. they like the weeds. They like ragweed. They like all of the gross things that you don't think that you're like, I planted wildflowers. And they're like, fuck your wildflowers. Where's a poisonous thing? I can, so it tastes floral. I think it's delicious. It's beautiful. Actually, <laughs> this morning, this is so dumb. I like fell down <laughs> because I sure. keep, I have boxes of my honey up really high in, in a cupboard in a dark part of the cupboard. And I was like, I need a new jar. I'll just go all the way up there. But I put my foot on a thing and I had tube socks on. And I just like stood on this very imbalanced thing and then pulled a giant, very heavy box with like 16 jars of honey over my head and fell back and the box hit me in the face. I'm all bruised down my arm like an old lady, like a real, Mm. and Jason was like, what are you? There were many Lucy's. Many jars available to me at eye level. I didn't see them. I would die for my own honey. I, mean, I love it. It might be this year or not. They don't seem as happy as last year. They don't seem mm-hmm. organized. I think they might have two bad queens. That's, I'll just, I'm laying it I'll out. Leave it at that. We'll see.
0: Um, do you have a, if if you can remember, do you have a story of interacting with a legendary comedian living or dead? dead do you wait do you have a do you have a short story oh of you interacting with a legend you're the like the b story ahead?
3: was too long no stop it's it sort of this like, is a lightning round I think
0: something about when I say short people are like oh yes this is my the short story I tell
3: i met carol burnett and i cried and she was like who the fuck are you <laughs> what oh it's nice to meet you and that was it i was like this is so monumental <laughs> Yeah, not how much she have meant to me through the years. And she was like, That's nice. Thanks for saying hello. <laughs> Definitely like tears streaming. I was like, What is it like to be a person who, when people meet you, tears stream down your face? I think it's a burden. So mm-hmm. I feel bad that I put that on her. She was like, I, This is just a party. It was like a it was like a celebration of her maybe her like Criterion DVD collection, which I immediately bought. I, <laughs> I, I, met Judy Bloom mm. name dropper, but she I love Judy Bloom, and while we were standing there talking because I I hosted something for her, it was like a 92nd Street Y mm-hmm. event. And so we were talking, talking, and every woman who came into the room to meet her was had tears streaming down their face. And she was so gracious. She is a lovely human being. And she just keeps a smile on her face. And she's like, I know. I know. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Meant a lot to me, too. Thank you so much. Like, she just rolled with it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed that I did that.
0: Uh, thank you so much. This is great. I really this appreciate it. This was so fun. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can watch Full Frontal Wednesdays on TBS. Watch the rest of Full Frontal Takes on Guns on the Full Frontal YouTube channel. Follow Sam on Twitter at IamSamB and on Instagram at FullFrontalSamB. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Godmur Shrikashin God did our theme song. Write our and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or lacking around suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at Podcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. And if you haven't, please check out my new Patreon podcast, The Specials. Goodwin is a production of Vulture in the Box Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one.
1: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary workday until the Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked.